Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace this morning. Indeed, it is good to be here, as the Apostle Peter said, when he and James and John were with you in the Mount of Transfiguration. It is good to be anywhere where Jesus is. And you have promised us, Lord, to be with us in our midst, where two or three are gathered together. You are in our midst. This is your promise, and we believe it. Be with us now as we would look into your word, speak to our hearts, not only that the word will be opened, but that our hearts will be opened and that we may receive your blessings, your truths, and whatever is beneficial for our souls. As we have sung, bless the teachings of thy servants, but also bless the word that he may bring forth fruit to your honor and glory. Be with us now, be with those that are at home, the shut-in, the sick, uh, those that are going through difficult times and, and hardships. We pray that you'll be with them and comfort them. For we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> with the Lord's help, I'd like to look from, uh, read from the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. <clears throat> Let's start from verse six, uh, chapter six, verse one. Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and of the eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain and cometh upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. I have read and up, up to verse 11, and may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Lord, it's worthy that we bow before him to pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we 
bow before thee this morning hour. We too, as was already said, we feel like Peter. It's good for us to be here, and yet we, are, we don't know what to say. Being enveloped, dear Father, with the cloud of thy glory, the, the presence, dear Father, those of us that are aware and awake unto this, dear Father, we tremble at thee, not only at thy word, which is before us this morning hour, but the presence of the living God who is here in a special way. Dear Father, this is not just a, any other Sunday. This is a gathering of those that are calling upon thy name, dear Father, and it is not because of the people that are here or the, uh, the different pedigree or the, the merit that we have, dear Father, but it is thy promise that it is the character of the Almighty God who has promised that he will be here in a special way, that he does care for his church, that he does examine, that he does prune, that he does work, that the earth would bring forth more fruit, that the blessings that we have received from the Almighty God that have been showered down upon us, that they would work, dear Father. And now we, thy servants here, we want to be fertile ground, dear Father. We admit we have been dull and we have been slothful many times. We have been unfruitful, dear Father, but we know that thou dost desire better things of us and things that accompany salvation. Dear Father, help us this day. Help us to heed the warnings in Scripture, dear Father, and also to heed the loving voice of a master who has walked this way before us, the one who has laid down everything, the one who has let himself be crucified by wicked hands, by all of us, our sins, allowed them to be put upon him, to be separate, to cry out, why hast thou forsaken me? Your Father has accomplished the salvation and now is offering this salvation to us, to be worked out in us, through fear and trembling. Dear Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity. And as we submit ourselves this morning unto the word, we pray for the brother that is to, to speak it, to meditate upon it, dear Father. We pray for him and for his needs as a minister of the gospel. And we pray for his faith as we realize that it is thy doing, thy working in each one of us that will have effect, that will bear fruit. And that is ultimately our prayer. Not that we would be touched or, or we would just be inspired temporarily by this word, dear Father, but that it would bear fruit. That the words that we hear, the, the words that thy spirit speaks to us in our hearts this morning hour would have fruit in our lives in the days ahead. They would make a people fit for thee, a priesthood, a royal nation called to thy service. Dear Father, we pray this for all of thy children everywhere throughout the world as the gospel spreads. We know it only is not only in Toronto or only in our small denomination, dear Father, but as the word is spoken and believed in every corner of the world, we pray it would go forth in the face of persecution, in the face of war and, and deprivation, in the face of indifference and affluence. Dear Father, we pray these things knowing that Jesus will return soon and that we ought to be ready, we ought to be watchful in prayer. Help us, dear Father, there too. We pray for the lost this morning in this room, those that hear these words this morning and know in their hearts they are not saved. They, they do not claim the blood of Jesus, do not walk according to his ways. Dear Father, we pray for them. We plead 
on their behalf. Give them more time, dear Father. Please, let them come to salvation. Acknowledge their need and their dependence on Thee. Fall and be broken. Dear Father, give them just a little more time to respond before the day of grace is over, before the night comes. Dear Father, we pray all these things in confidence, in faith in Thee, the living God. Amen. Dear ones, the uh, book of Hebrews is a very, to many, harsh chapter, or half harsh book with many harsh chapters in it. It's a book of warnings, admonitions. It's a book which, like others as well, that emphasize the holiness of God. Hebrews, I believe 12 says that, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. When we hear verses like that or read verses like that, we need to really take be taken aback, take a back step and meditate on that verse because that includes me. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And that really underscores the first <clears throat> two or three verses that we read from this chapter. Because many in this world think they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but do they believe in Him as Lord and Judge or just as Savior? And I don't mean to in any way belittle just as Savior, but There are so many voices out there in the world today as, <clears throat> as to what it takes to, to be saved and to become a child of God. This chapter, coupled with chapter 10, show us the seriousness with which we need to take our faith, with which we need to live our lives. Hebrews 10, 26 to 29 talks about, for if we sin willfully, after we have come to that knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice, but a certain fearful looking forward to judgment, which shall devour the adversaries. Talks about doing despite unto the Spirit of God and treading underfoot the blood of the Son of God. So when one comes to Christ to become a disciple of Christ, he really needs to count the cost. He really needs to 
do as, as, as Jesus said to John and, and James and to, the, his, to their mother. You know, you want to sit at the right hand of the Son of God in, my, in his kingdom? He said, are you willing to drink the cup that I drink of? Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? What can ensure us, or what can give us greater, greater confidence and greater hope? This is sort of a, the theme, a lot of the theme going through um, Hebrews, especially towards the, to the, towards the latter half of Hebrews, and also in the book of Romans. What can give us that confidence, and what can uh, assure us that we are persuaded of better things than these for you, right? That's what he says here. He gave them the warnings, but then he says, but brethren, we are persuaded of better things for you. Why would he be persuaded of better things? If we look at the first few verses, it says, and he, and he went through the whole first uh, five chapters. If you follow the, um, the theme going through the first five chapters, He's speaking about the nation of Israel as they were liberated and released from bondage in, in the book of Exodus. And they were so much under oppression and, and, and slavery to Pharaoh that they were waiting for the day when they would be released from this bondage. And when they were released, they forgot that they were under bondage. And they began to murmur, complain, build golden calves. As First um, Corinthians 10 says, they sat down to eat and they rose up to play. They forgot. The whole theme of the book of Hebrews is talking about backsliding and going back to your former life because your expectations are not being met. What you thought Christianity was going to be all about is not being met. And some people become Christians because there's a lot of benefits in being a Christian. I know that my daughter Sarah, when she got married, was engaged, and I asked, you know, why, why you want to marry my daughter? In roundabout words. It, I didn't just take it like that. I actually went for a walk with him. I talked to him about it. We went through a whole lot of things. He says, I see that she has a lot of good values. She's got a lot of good values. And to him it meant a lot of things because he's gone through his life. He's had a broken home. Father and mother divorced. And he wants something more stable, more lasting. Something that's got good values. So there's a benefit 
When someone wants to become a Christian, that they want to have good values. They want to have some, some kind of assurance of stability in their future life. And perhaps some get married because, uh, get uh, uh, Freudian slip, uh, want to become Christians because they realize I'm going to get a good wife, someone with values, someone that I know I can trust. But is that the reason you become a Christian? Is that why? What motivates you? Because it's a, it's a good life. There's, there's a far deeper reason why anybody should and would want to become a Christian. Just this past week, we talked about... <clears throat> And our CFG, for those that weren't here, about prayer and supplication. When we pray, if you notice, for those that do attend Thursday prayer meetings, you'll notice that the pyramid is like this. Up here, adoration, confession, um, thanksgiving, and then supplication. And the list gets longer and longer for supplication. Probably very little or nothing on confession. A little bit of thanksgiving, but adoration we leave open now. At least I do that for whoever starts off the prayer as God leads him to do that. But the big thing is supplication. God give me, God help me, God save, God whatever, save me, save my son, save my daughter, God provide for me. God take away this pain. And I'm not saying that's all that's that's a wrong thing to ask. But something that came through uh, very loud and clear to me as as I studied uh, a writer in the old in the early church, he gave the and I want to give you this example. He gave the uh, example of a he says if you ask for the little earthly things He says, will God really hear your prayer because that's all you ask for? He says, if I give you some material thing, you'll get this material thing, but you'll get the shadow that goes with it. The shadow will come anyway. And what he's saying is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, don't ask for what you, sh don't, don't think about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on. He says, these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. What different are you than the Gentiles, right? But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will, come out, um, will be given unto you. You will get the real thing, plus you'll get the shadow. It will come as God will pro provide for you and bless you. And so when we, when we embark on the road to God, when we, get, when we try to be accepted by God, what is, the, what is the reason for becoming a Christian? Is it because God will provide all these things? Or is it because who God is and that I want to have a relationship with him? Because he's the most powerful being in the universe. Whatever he says is true. He's holy. He's majestic. He's almighty. He's omniscient. Omnipotent. I want to be next to someone like that. I want to be with him.
Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go unto the perfection, unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And then he says, And this will we do. We will do this. He didn't say, We're going to throw that away. He says, we will do this if God permit. But what he's really focused on is the foundation on which we build our lives. What is it? The very first layer of this foundation is that of repentance from dead works. When we come to God, is there any inkling of repentance in us? Or is it what, God, you said if I become a a disciple of yours, you're going to give me glory, you're going to give me heaven. You've got all these promises that I want to claim. There are people that say that, name it and claim it. Health and wealth. God doesn't want you to have a bad life. God doesn't want you to suffer pain. God doesn't want you to, to go through, ne- through, through negativity. That's negative thinking. There's, there are many people that preach that today. He says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. The most critical Part of our conversion is the foundation. And we know that the foundation is laid by none other than Jesus Christ. And he is the head of the corner. He's the chief cornerstone. And it's built upon the apostles and the prophets. Ephesians 2 says, Is our foundation set? Are we building on the right foundation? And that first part, when we are called, we are convicted. This is God's way of getting our attention. Through the Holy Spirit, he convicts our hearts. Our reaction needs to be, God, how do I get back to you? What can I do to be saved? And the, and the, the, the natural uh, response from anyone that comes into the presence of Almighty God would be to bow down, would be to repent. Moses, burning bush. Jacob at Peniel and, and later on, when he, he, he wrestled with God. Isaiah in the temple, when he saw his glory, the natural response is to to bow before him in humility, in submission, in repentance. Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst men, people with unclean lips. What is repentance? 
You know, we often hear repentance is the changing of your mind. That is one definition, and the Greek for that is metanoia, which is changing the way you view things. You view what? Some people say, your view about Christ. That's true, but that's not all. What is repentance? Acts chapter 20 says, Paul the Apostle says, repentance toward God. As David says, against you and you only have I sinned. Repentance for what? For sin. What do you repent of? Your sins. Which sins do you want to be forgiven of? Which sins? The ones that I repent of. It's not a, perhaps a, a vague, you know, like we may, we may hurt somebody or say something and say, well, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. Are you really repentant? Or are you putting forth an excuse? Or do you really come before him and you really see yourself as, as a, uh, a man of unclean lips, of unclean works, of deeds, as, 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 you know, as I was reading through the early church, pagans that were pagans at once, and they involved themselves in all manner of lusts and evil and concupiscence. Tertullian and Augustine and, and uh, uh, Cyprian and whoever else, they confessed that they were living godless, shameful lives. These were pagans. These were raised with the, under the philosophies of the Greek philosophers. But when they saw a better way, when they saw the truth of God's word, they became some of the most prolific writers and spreaders of God's word through early church history. So what is repentance? In the, to the Greek, it's the changing of your mind. It's the changing of your mind about what you think about God, what you think about yourself, what you think about Christ, what you think about your sin, But the Jews had a different definition. And, I, and it just blew me away when I looked for the word repent in the Hebrew concordance. The word repent in the Hebrew concordance, out of a hundred or so scriptures, probably 95% were used for God. When he said, I repented of this. But I didn't repent of that. And he repented about Sodom, uh, about uh, Nineveh, and so forth. And I thought, that doesn't... Well, check it out yourself. Check it out yourself. But you know what word they used? What the Jews used? What the prophets used? They used the word return. Turn. Return. And it's the equivalent to the New Testament word conversion. And you look it up in the New Testament, the word convert or conversion, you may find a handful of them. But the word repent 
is very, very prominent. And it means to turn from your old ways, to turn about, to make a 180 degrees turn away from who? Very striking if you read the book of Isaiah. We sing it every Christmas time, almost every Christmas time. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to each to his own way. What do we turn from? Our own way. The way that led us into sin. Our lusts, our concupiscence, our thoughts, the way we think, our sinful nature. Repentance is first and foremost a decision. You, you, you come to a conclusion in your mind like the prodigal son, when he came to himself, he said, how many servants do my father have? And they are full and so forth. It's a first of all a decision. It's not an emotion. It should not be an emotion. You might get emotional about it, but your emotions don't lead you to rational decisions all the time. Having counseled so many souls over many years, they want to become Christians. They want to be baptized. But have they made up in their mind have they come to that conclusion in their mind that they want to forsake everything for Christ? You see, when people make an emotional decision, the next step is, hmm, now what about this? Do I really have to give this up? Do I really have to do this? Monday they make a decision, Tuesday they change their mind. I'm not sure if I can handle this. I'm not sure if I can really commit myself. That is not a true repentance. That's a desire. That it's, a, it's an emotional move on our parts. You know, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, the sower and the seed. The sun fell on by the wayside, some fell on stony places, some fell amongst thorns, and some fell on good ground. But when persecution and tribulation arise, they give up. When there's something that's required of them that's too hard, they don't want... Remember the, good, the, the, young, the young ruler of Matthew 19? Good master! What must I do to be saved? You know the law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Da da da. Oh, Master, I've done this. I've kept this from my, from my youth up. I've done it. Now what? Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. 
oh, I don't know if I can do that. Repentance shows us. We don't have to show God. We don't have to, we don't have to somehow prove to God the state of our heart. But repentance, first of all, shows us how serious we are about following Christ. God is honoured by that, by the way. But it shows us that this is what I, I do want to do for, for the sake of the kingdom, for, for, for God, for, for my own soul. It doesn't, repentance, the work itself doesn't earn salvation to us. It doesn't earn salvation. Repentance is a condition of the heart that gives God the approval for you and the grace that he'll give you to convert you and regenerate you and me by his Holy Spirit. We are saved by grace through faith. But what does faith do? Faith works. Repentance has always come in, in, you read through the Gospels, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, what did he say? Repent and what? And be baptized. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, repent and believe. Peter says in 2 uh, Acts, he says, when the men approached him, and they were pricked in their heart because of they felt the guilt of crucifying their Savior. It happened only uh, 50 days before. They felt the guilt and the condemnation that they by wicked hands have slain the Messiah. And then they said, men, brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and ye shall receive the remission of sins. Repentance doesn't earn salvation, but you can't be saved without it. Just like faith justifies us, we are saved by faith through grace, but we cannot be saved without works if we've had the opportunity to do them or refuse to do them. It's a package. James says, show me your faith by your works. I'll show you my faith without my works. Who's going to be justified? So this whole concept of repentance... The Jewish understanding the word is you change your mind about something, that's good. But have you, has this change changed the way you do things? How you, how you respond now as a child of God? Has that change in the mind affected your actions? There's a thing called will. And in my counselling, this, this word came up. What is will? We know Luther wrote a book, The Bondage of the Will. We know he was counted by Erastus, Erasmus. 
We know that, that we have a will. And the will is this strong desire or determination within us that compels us to do things that we make choices with. As the saying goes, where there's a will to do something, there's a way to do it. And many times our will is very weak. And our will is very weak because we're not convinced in our minds and in our heart that this is what we should really be doing. Maybe there's another way. Jesus said in the garden, God, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus struggled in the garden because he was faced with this desecrating act of going to the cross for the sins of mankind. When Jesus said, if any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. That's exactly what he was saying. You've got to die to your own will. You've got to die to your own uh, desires and your own lusts. Every one of us has gone astray, everyone to his own way. We think our way is the best. And I've seen time and time again the people that have got themselves into huge conundrums in life. When they get there, they realize it didn't work and they break down. And then, okay, yeah, I need to get back to God. I need to, I need to repent. And they go and then something else comes up and they think, maybe I should, maybe I didn't do it right the first time. Maybe I... I'll do it this time, but now I'll be aware of this thing that hit me from this side, that blindsided me. Maybe the pastures are greener on the other side. And so they try again. And they go headlong, crashing again against the brick wall. Because they're not convinced that the word of God is true. They're not convinced that what God says he means and what he means he says. There's got to be another way. I see other people, they're doing this and they look like they're having fun. They, they look like they're enjoying themselves. They're not Christians and they've got a happy marriage. If our foundation is not firmly built on Jesus Christ, repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ, if that's how we responded in coming to God, how are you going to respond when the real fire comes, when the real tests come? Will your house stand? Matthew chapter 7 the one that built his house upon the sand. You know when a built we got builders in this room. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can correct me, Brother Zoli or Brother Sai. Or, 
But if the inspector comes, and the first thing that he looks at is the foundation of the house, and he sees cracks in the foundation, is he going to continue? No. I see no. He's not going to continue. Because no matter what you build on the house, that house is going to come crashing down. Or it's going to be developing really serious water, moisture problems, and then it's going to come crashing down. I remember uh, many years ago, Brother Mark Dillich was buying a house in Aurora. They built thousands of houses, hundreds of houses. He came back to me and said, Brother Doug, I said, what? He says, all these houses that they built, they built with poor concrete. Not poured concrete, that happened, but poor concrete, defective concrete. Now they've got to take all that concrete out from the bottom and reinforce the basement and prop it up with good concrete. What an expense. What a tragedy. But how much is more our lives worth than physical homes? That the foundation of our lives, if it's not properly set, if it's not properly constructed by Jesus Christ, how will we manage when the storms come? There are some that may say, why am I taking so long? I've been counselling with you for such a long time. How come you won't? How come you, you don't want to baptise me? Have you done what the woman did in Luke 15? Have you swept the whole house? Have you cleaned it out to make sure that you found that coin? Are you, have you really looked inside and said, am I really committed to Christ or do I have plan B if this doesn't work out? Because if you, if you make that decision, but you're not willing to, in the Hebrew term, turn around, about face, at any cost. Jesus said, he that puts his hand to the plow and turns back, he's not worthy of me. Happened a lot in the early church. When the persecution came, many, many denied Christ. Many sacrificed to Caesar. Many even took uh, these certificates that could, they could bribe the, the, uh, the, the Roman soldiers, say, look, just say that I did it. I'll pay you money. And they did. They got money. They got a certificate. They went back. They really didn't sacrifice to Caesar, but they did this. And many were put out of the church because of their witness. Are you willing to count the cost? Are you willing to be completely honest with yourself? Are you willing to be like David, 
who prayed to God. The king of Israel committed adultery with Bathsheba, killed Uriah. No mistake about it. It wasn't, it wasn't an accident. It was arranged, it was plotted, it was conspired. Killed Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. Then he lied about it. And then he writhed like a worm in his room for seven days. And he says, God, against you and you only have I sinned and done this wicked thing. And you desire truth after the inward parts. I might have fooled some people to think that it was all a big accident. But you knew what was inside of me. You knew exactly what I was conspiring and planning to do and did. Are you willing to give everything, to surrender all? The reason we sing that song at camp, I surrender all, is because we need to surrender all. Half love will not bide the storm. My prayer for you is to really consider your life when the word says and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord that you see yourself in that verse am I holy and if not how do I attain it Some of you say, I'm good. I'm good enough. I live a moral life. Let me just finish on this. Let me just finish on this. Mark chapter 16. Before the ascension of Jesus Christ, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Can you read that one more time? He that believeth, not just believeth, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I don't understand where people say, I don't need to be baptized today. And I've heard it. I've heard it in these walls. Which Bible are you reading? Which Christ are you listening to? But he that believeth not shall be damned. We've got to take God seriously. We've got to take him at his word. We've got to believe what he says. And when we believe what he says, true faith will do what he says. This is my prayer to all of us. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This morning the Lord revealed to me I need, needed to repent of something I didn't do yesterday. I'll tell you about it. I was in a pet shop buying little birds for our kids. 
And there was a woman in there that, you know the type, I know the type, you just kind of see them and think, you kind of write them off, like that person's a mess. She was crying. She was, uh, we saw her through the window as, as we were coming in, and later on I overheard the, the store owner talking with her. I thought she, at first she was an employee or something like that. She wasn't, she was, and he was saying to her, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, your dog died. And she's like, my daughter, my daughter died. And I thought, oh, that's kind of funny, but then it's kind of really sad. And I looked closer and I saw she had a tattoo on her shoulder with a picture, I think, I presume of her, her daughter's face. And he was offering the, the empty comfort of the world. Uh, well, I'll be here for you and, you know, uh, pet this or that or whatever. And, 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 uh, and I thought, oh, after the fact, I thought, I know the truth. I know what really can fix her problem. This, this woman was, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Why is, why is life so difficult? Why, uh, that was the basis of her complaint, her lament. And I thought after the fact, and as I, especially as I read this this morning and heard the words, I knew their answer to her problem is repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I didn't say anything. I didn't, I knew the truth. So don't let me miss that opportunity this morning, you outside of Christ, to tell you, you are just like that woman. You're just as messed up as she is. You've got the marks of the bones which God has broken, the things that have happened in your life that haven't gone well, the mess that your life is. And God wants you just to realize repentance towards God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the answer. And then the, boken, the, the bones that, that God has broken will rejoice, like David says. My friend outside of Christ, don't miss this opportunity to repent. And let me tell you, it's not a matter of, of flipping a switch. Yes, there's a decision that needs to be made, a commitment that needs to be made, but it's not a matter of just flipping a switch. It's a matter of yielding of letting that good ground, that good seed fall into the ground and then spring up day by day as you see it grow and you realize, yes, this is the fruit of repentance. This is the fruit of faith in, in Christ as it happens over the span of days and of weeks and time. And then you see and, and your face is affirmed. And you realize, yes, I am in the Lord. And these are the means, the things, the heavenly gift, the Holy Ghost, the good word of God, the heavenly power, the power that is in the world to come that will enable you and allow you to have a foundation in which you can then build a life that's pleasing to God. God can then build that life to you. That's my prayer this morning hour, that you would realize what state you're in and you'd turn to the Lord and, and then leave the empty excuses. May the Lord bless this word to him. Be all power and glory. Amen.